Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to Transforming 45. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. In this podcast, we dive deep into the transformative power of storytelling. I firmly believe that stories have the magical ability to heal, inspire, and connect us. That's why I'm here to bring you the incredible stories of women who have journeyed through life's ups and downs and emerged as their most authentic selves. We'll explore stories of resilience, reinvention, and the courage it takes to embrace change. It's a space where authenticity shines, where the messy and the beautiful moments of life come together to create something truly extraordinary. So brilliant listeners, get ready for a roller coaster of emotions, a burst of inspiration, and a whole lot of love. Transforming 45 is not just a podcast, it's a movement, a celebration of incredible humans who light up the world. I'm so grateful you are here, and I can't wait to embark on this transformative journey with you. Let's dive in and start transforming together. Hello, and welcome to season two of Transforming 45. This is the very first episode of this season, and I am so excited for what this season is going to bring. There is a list of super exciting guests that I cannot wait to have conversations with. Uh, There are some new features in the podcast that you'll notice. I also have a little bit of a fresh look. Uh, So I am so excited to get this season started. And I have two of my favorites in the studio with me today to kick off this season. (laughs) So there will be lots of laughing and there's going to be lots of joy in this episode. And so today I have Louise Pike and Deb Shackle, my soul sisters, and we're going to be talking about the power of female friendship because There is nothing that is more important, especially as we get older, than to have a community of humans and women who support us. So welcome to season two and welcome Louise and Deb. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks, Lisa. Uh, Yeah, I'm Louise Pike and I am lucky to be one of Lisa's lovely soul sisters and um, love having her in my life. I am a mom of a five-year-old. I'm an educator. I love to travel. I am also a type one diabetic and uh, yeah, that's me. Um, And I want to say that this is completely unscripted. I'm in awe that Lisa has zero notes in front of her and just does this so seamlessly. And I don't have any notes, so I'll probably stumble. (laughs) I'm Deb. I'm a mom of a 16-year-old kiddo who I adore and I'm an educator as well, uh, working in... um, supporting student mental health. And um, I love to move my body. So much of what brings me joy is um, being outside and finding joyful movement. And I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for asking me. I'm excited to have both of you here. And I wanted to start with our origin story because I think it's important because we haven't been friends our whole lifetime, although it feels like we have been. And one of the conversations that I have with women a lot is how to connect with other women or other people as they get older. It seems to be a more challenging 
prospect. Yeah. How do you make friends? It's hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I wanted to talk about how that came to be for us. And for, for each of us, it's a little bit of a different story, but it all starts in the same place. And if you have listened to Transforming 45, you will know that I was part of a team when I was an educator, the program and innovation team. Uh, Amy Sherminska has been on the podcast before, who also is part of this circle. And we talked about that, but that is where we began. Um, that very beautiful, special, powerful time in my life. A big part of why it was that way was because of the humans who are on either side of me in this moment. And Louise and I, you and I had actually worked together the year previous in yes. my very first secondment. You and I had crossed paths. I think from a distance more so. Like I knew of you, I knew where you were at and I was doing a student success thing and you were doing something which I was like, oh, that looks intimidating. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so kind of paths crossed a little bit, but it was the following year, I think, where we... Yeah. And I was <laughs> always intrigued by you because you looked so cool. I was like, I had little kids at the time and felt very much in mom mode. And Louise was like, had cool glasses and CBC swag. And I was like, oh, she's so, she's so cool. Good hand girl. It's it. It is. It is still true. Thank yes, you. absolutely. And I was completely in awe of you because I was like, oh my gosh, she's doing this really intimidating job. And uh, <laughs> it means business, like businesswoman. It was, it was a bit of an intense job, Yeah. but I didn't know that I came across that way. It wasn't you, I don't think, more so the role and where I thought yeah, oh, that yeah. work was going. And I was like, Ooh. yeah, yeah, that's true. That was a thing. <laughs> and I, the moment I met Deb is like burned in my brain. I love this story. <laughs> it's, such a good it's a great story because we were meeting as the program and innovation team for the very first time. And it was in the County of Simcoe building. It was in this beautiful room. It was all glass windows looking out into a forest and these humans, this collection of very disparate and fascinating humans were in this room and there was a synergy about it. It felt really like exciting. It felt exciting. Yeah. It felt like chill bumps right now. <laughs> yeah. It felt like this was the beginning of something really new and really different and really exciting. And we had all gone around the room and it happens to me in this way where when I see someone who I feel a connection with, um, there, I was listening to a podcast and Tracy Ellis Ross described people that she has this kind of connection with as cauldron people. And so she talks about cauldron people as like in the universe, wherever all the like magic is created, there are batches of humans that are created in these cauldrons. And so you always recognize the people who you were in a cauldron with. You're like made of the same kind of stuff, made of the same elements. And so I, I didn't have that language at the time, but for both of you, I was like, oh, they're cauldron people. <laughs> <laughs> so Deb introduced herself and I was like, oh, she's interesting. I want to get to know her more. And at the end, as we were just sort of mingling, she pulls out this stainless steel container. She's like, I, I brought these um, chocolate cookies. They're made out of dates and they're really healthy, but they're delicious. Teddy <laughs> <laughs> Miller did not want to eat them. <laughs> well, that was his loss because they were fantastic. 
And I was like, oh, I love this. I love this human already. I, you know what? I felt like quite a dork at that moment, but it's my love language, like food, preparing something meaningful, something that I love and I thought others might enjoy. I was too excited to be there. So I had to bring food. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that that was, it was, it was the thing that was special about you. It immediately, I read that as your love language. It wasn't, I didn't think that there was anything dorky about you at all. (laughs) It's all right. right. But this is the thing. Whenever Mm -hmm. I go somewhere, I feel like I want to bring something. And so I was thinking about this today and I wasn't sure if I was going to pull you out, but okay. So I was thinking, as soon as you talked to us about this being about friendship, I thought about when I was a kid and when I really loved someone, when I found my cauldron person, I would make them a friendship bracelet. So I went in my basement and found the old, old, old box that had all my embroidery thread in it. And thank God there were some in there that were done because I never I was like, to take it home. So you can see they're in various states of like half done. Yes. And you know what? It became for me, um, for people that can't see, I'm pulling them all out and they're very colorful and this one made me think of both of you because of the yellow. Like this one I actually oh, yeah. did make in the time. But it's like friendships, right? You you kind of, you start making something beautiful and then mm-hmm. maybe something happens that you stop and it gets put away for a little while. And when you go back, it's still beautiful and you can just And it's like up. no time has passed. Yes. Like that is exactly. the thing I love about this relationship that I have with both of you is that um, because our lives are busy and we go and we do lots of different things. But when we get back together, it is like, there has been no time passed. We mm-hmm. just can jump right back in into that moment of beauty and joy and wherever it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, we can jump back into the cauldron together. <laughs> yeah, and this one really is twisty. Like, this is the one I made, and I was Googling, like, how do you get friendship bracelets not to twist because I was trying to troubleshoot and actually make something really good. And the tip was that you did a double knot at the end. Oh, yeah. It didn't work, but I kind of liked the analogy <laughs> of like, you know, just tie it a little bit, give it a little bit more, mm-hmm. you know, one, one more knot and, and it will hold it fast. So anyway, that is beautiful. So if you want to take one of these homemade creations, yes, absolutely. It's going to hang in the studio now from now on. Um, it is one of, so here is one of the things. So one of the questions that we can talk about is Part of the power of female friendship is the capacity for play in that relationship. And play is something that we don't do enough of as adults. And where do you see how play helps to build those relationships and, and in turn, your own, your own well-being? I think immediately of Niagara Falls and... <laughs> <laughs> Having a slumber party with Deb, with whom I had only kind of really just met. And I think Dawn even booked the hotel for us to stay in together. And um, yeah, and, and we, we did, we had fun. Like Niagara Falls was a great time. We were there for an educational conference. Um, But laughter, I remember laughing and feeling joyous. Yeah. Louise Mm -hmm. is always good at bringing um, planning, planning play like I remember it was my birthday and she had brought hats and wigs wigs and like all those sorts of things to to make it very playful and fun but when I think of play I think it's funny like 
this is really good because I think about some doing something physical when I think about play, like playing a game or playing a sport. And I don't often, I often do that more with my friends who identify as male, like mm-hmm. not so much with my fierce female friendships. So that's an interesting thing for me to think about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, you know, you bring me out of my comfort zone. You were the only person in the world I would wear a wig for. <laughs> Yeah, that's a different sort of play. Yeah, that's true. And you do offer those opportunities and things that I would never think to do on my on my own. When we were traveling to conferences, like you were the one who organized axe throwing. Right. Yes. Which that was fun. (laughs) Yeah. Which I never would have tried or done on my own. So each person brings an element that can help expose the other to something that they're perhaps less comfortable with, or just would never think about doing from the safety of a community. Right. Yeah. Um, And I think that is the power of that female friendship piece. Um, And it's a platonic, it's not a romantic relationship, but it's, um, yeah, this like, I've got your back. Yeah, come and try this wig on with me. You're mm-hmm. safe here. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds creepy, but <laughs> <laughs> it was not creepy. What's your memory? We were talking earlier about the juke ball. Oh, the Bosu ball. Bosu ball. The Bosu, Bosu ball. ball. Yeah. And that one was um actually like when we were together in the pit space. And I think you had just got a standing desk, that desk standard thing. Yes. yes. Oh, and then there was the trampoline too. Oh yeah, the trampoline. And we would trampoline. be bouncing up and down yeah. on the trampoline, squeaky squeak noise. Um, <laughs> but yes, I remember you standing on this Bosu ball, and I was just thinking, like, yeah, what a girl. Of course, I should work on a Bosu ball. Like, why am I not? Why am I not part of this? <laughs> I guess that's play too. Play yeah, playfulness. Find it a lot of ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. and in our professional realm, you two also helped me bring play into the work that I was doing. I wouldn't have. I would not have had the courage to do some of the things that you were doing. So diving into coding and some of that more, like the more creative way you were using very academic things. It was because I was supporting math instruction at the time when we first met and you, your courage and joy, the fun that you were having in doing that. I was like, Oh, I want to bring that into what we're doing here too. Cause I think joy is so contagious. I'm just thinking like, we just recently went to a concert and sitting in front of us, two rows in front of us was this older gentleman and he was rocking out and like the smile on his face. And I, although, you know, I, I wasn't totally into the concert yet, but just watching him, I was feeding off of that energy of joy and excitement. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you, the work you were doing with movement, you that inspired a whole learning situation where we combined math and movement in a way I would have never thought on my own, but it was so fun and brought. Oh, I just I still see those kids like hopping down the hallway through those squares <laughs> and thinking about the mathematical concepts that that represented. Agreed. I mean, that was my favorite part of my teaching career. So my role was in healthy, active living. So I got to, it was a very versatile role that I could work with lots of different people and integrate it. And, and of course, math is a beautiful fit. People often are intimidated by math, but often not intimidated by play. So it's a a perfect combination. It made it so accessible for me and for students too. Mm -hmm. It's Interesting. Sorry, I'm cutting you off, but no. I'm thinking about um, how you're saying like that we gave you the courage to do some of those things, but I would only be as playful in those moments because I knew that like we had this 
I don't know, this safe space and that, um, yeah, like you just know your stuff and the confidence and the, um, like I know in having, hearing you talk about, you know, courageous conversations that you've had to have. And, um, that is stuff that is well out of my comfort zone, but I can do the play because I know that you bring those other pieces. I don't know if that's making any sense. Yeah. I want to say that it was an environment that was created. I want to give credit to Anita then Anita basically gave us green light and mm-hmm. said, do your thing, like mm-hmm. do your thing. And that gave me immense confidence to participate in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Anita Simpson was the superintendent at the time. I have spoken about her on this podcast before and is a North star for me in a lot of ways. And the she brings forth, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a lot of narrative in our culture around competition between mm-hmm. women. And Anita set this beautiful example for us that there was there was enough room for everybody. There was space for everyone to be able to shine in the way that they were meant to shine. And her creating that container is what made the space and energy for all of this to be able to come forward. We all mattered. Yeah. Yeah. We all mattered. It is. I'm I'm not going to say that there was zero competition there because (laughs) within a system that is founded on competition, there's always going to be elements of that. But what I will say is it was the most collaborative and the least, the time in my career where I felt the least like I was in competition with other people and more like I was build, like we had a common purpose that we were working together towards building. And I remember feeling so focused on shining a light on the others around me. It was less about me doing my stuff. It was like, how can I support you? How can I lift you up Mm -hmm. um, and, and make whatever you're doing shine in the most brilliantly shiny way? This is exactly what I was going to say about you in particular in that situation. There were times, Louise, that you were so giving because I came in very green. I'd never worked at the board before and both of you had. And you and I worked on a project together and you felt very comfortable there. I was like overwhelmed. It was a lot. Like it was a brand new role, this leadership role. And I felt like you gave me so much, so generously. And I never, you never ever made me feel about that you never ever never ever seemed like it was an inconvenience it was with joy like you were such a cheerful giver and that was part of the magic Mm -hmm. for me personally and that is the truth of female relationships when you peel back all of the narratives all the stories that are told all of the junk and get to the truth of each other's hearts that that is what creates relationships that stick Mm. is knowing that I will shine a light on both of you as brightly as I possibly can knowing it takes nothing from it takes nothing from me yeah it doesn't dim your light at all no if anything I shine brighter because I'm like yeah Mm -hmm. in that moment one thing you and I talked about um when Louise applied for a job, she asked me to write her a reference letter and I wrote a reference letter and it was a really powerful experience. And Louise said to me, everyone should do this for their friends. Mm-hmm. Write them mm-hmm. a reference letter. I cried. I was like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. is this me? Really about it? <laughs> it's true. Not embellished a single bit. Yeah. You could have written a couple more pages. Both of you are the same thing. So it's something to think about. To, yeah. to a great yeah. exercise to do. Yeah. yeah. Because we wait until it's too late 
right? Uh, in this strange journey we're on that is life, we often wait until someone is gone mm. before we say the things that really matter about them or that we carry about carry in our hearts about those people. And so that's such a beautiful way of showing love and appreciation in the moment instead of waiting until it's too late. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think saying it too, like I, I don't know whether I'm very kind of gushy or emotional all of the time, but um, these relationships that I have with you, platonic relationships, but I love you. Like mm -hmm. I love you in a way that is, yeah, kind of, it's different than a romantic relationship, but mm -hmm. it's still love. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And it's really important. I mean, in the work that I do, I recognize every day I'm very lucky. No, sorry. I'm going to stop using the word lucky. I'm not lucky because I made intentional choices and I've continued to make intentional choices over my relationship. I have a very powerful relationship with my partner. And I also know that he cannot be everything to me. He's one human and it's not fair to put that kind of pressure you on someone. You are great, Ken. You're wonderful. You are Kenneth. You are Kenneth. <laughs> he is Kenneth. It's true. <laughs> however. But however, the truth of life is that we never really know what's coming. And many of the women that I work with are experiencing challenging relationships with their partners after parenting for, you know, 18 years, and that became the sole focus of your relationship, and everything becomes strategical and, and operational. And you sort of, it's very easy to lose the romantic component. And learning how to be in a relationship again is can be really hard. So having a support network to either hold you while you let yourself free of that relationship because it's no longer what you need or what is making both of you happy, healthy, safe human beings or holding you while you figure it out with your partner there to support you. And the reality is that at some point we could also lose our partner in ways that we don't know or understand. So having this community and really these relationships are so essential and it is part of the reason why women like live longer hmm. yeah there are <laughs> there are studies and statistics around that showing that women who have strong female friendships live longer this is hashtag no day without learning yeah I love that. And I like also what you said about, yeah, Ken, Ken, you are enough. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, there are spaces where you can get different things from different people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't lessen the value of that one person in that relationship. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And there's also something to be said. So I feel this very strongly. I know you also live, well, we, we all three of us live in houses of men. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Well, you have dogs. You got two. I have two lo lovely lady fur girls now, but for a long time, I lived in a house of men mm. exclusively. And there, there just are different ways that we can relate with each other <laughs> <laughs> than we cannot relate with the lovely, wonderful men that we live with. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
And I mean, it saved me on many occasions, particularly when my kids were little, right? So it would be me, Ken, Will, Nate. And there were times where I was like, these men are making me absolutely insane. I need some time to be able to care for myself and having a net outside of that was essential so that I could come back to it in a way that was a little bit healthier. That was a little bit like, okay, I, I have, I've filled up my own tank. I have a little more resource to address this situation. For me, um, sometimes in my house, it's quiet. Like sometimes my men don't want to chat, talk. Mm-hmm. You know, I like, I like that. I like to talk things out and be excited about things and take up some space. And sometimes they don't want that. So for me, sometimes the outlet was that I could get that energy reciprocated and enjoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I could go back and sort of be able to shift gears for when, you know, when those moments at home were quieter. Mm-hmm. Do you have any of that? I don't know. I feel like my little is still not. Yeah. He still needs that. Energy. Still that yeah. yeah. My energy yeah. and his energy are quite symbiotic right now. He's five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I think he still feeds off of that. But I, I think I get what you're saying. Um, because I do see that relationship changing. Even his relationship with his dad is different than his relationship with me is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Blue Tulusma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Electricast. Yeah, and just sometimes the way, and we're speaking in very binary terms at this point, which I own and I recognize, and that there's a huge spectrum of how men show up in relationships, how humans show up as the gender that feels like that is who they truly are. But in my experience, I do have a binary relationship and that is, that's my lived reality. And we, you know, Ken has, has a great way of listening and understanding emotion, but there also are moments where the man in my life experiences experiences and processes things really differently. Like I had an experience uh, where I needed both of you because I had something really challenging happen that was like really deeply hurtful. And the Mm -hmm. first person I talked to about was, was Ken. And then it was the two of you and you two really helped me to like release some stuff and to process it And Ken was actually by traveling. So my communication with him about it was through text. And when he got home at the end of the day, he said, oh, you know, how are you doing? How was your day? And I'm like, well, it was, I'm I'm okay. And he looked at me, he was like, well, why? What's the matter? And I said, well, remember that thing? And he was like, oh, that was hours ago. (laughs) (laughs) And this is why it is, you can't have one person be all things to you 
Yeah. And if I can just build on that a little bit, what you're saying around in, in terms of like very binary, I also think it is the type of personality that we have. Um, I think of other female friendships that I have that are not like this mm. um, and I get different things from them and they, mm. they get a kind of a different side of me too. So not necessarily a gender role piece, but there's probably mm -hmm. a personality or a chemistry element. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. McCauldron. McCauldron. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to say the same thing. I, I, I agree with you on that, Louise, that there are other female friendships that maybe have that bigger element of competition or mm. like this, this is special. This mm -hmm. is very special. I want to acknowledge that, that not all. Like I almost, I think one time when you wrote me, you wrote something about it being a fierce friendship. And I sort of identified it as that, like, this is a fear. I have other friendships, but this is a fierce friendship in that I was trying to figure out what made it different. And it's mm -hmm. the, part of it is the acknowledgement that if you look at my life and you see that I'm happy and traveling and doing good things, that doesn't mean that there is an absence of loneliness mm -hmm. or sadness that I might be feeling. It's not just this right off. Well, she's good because she's mm -hmm. off doing that. It's an understanding that of my whole experience. And that every time when I come to you, there's an acknowledgement of that. And that when you ask how I am, you want to know you're not judging it. You must be fine because mm -hmm. I saw this on Instagram. It's that deeper level that um, sometimes other friendships, they might see that and it might cause jealousy or misunderstanding. Oh, well, you don't need me because you're happy, but mm. I never feel that mm -hmm. in this space. Yeah. And that actually was one of the things I was thinking about earlier and wanted to talk about as well is that our friendship is not just grounded in the easy stuff, mm -hmm. right? And part of it is the context in learning. You mentioned it earlier, courageous conversations, right? We don't always agree with each other and we don't always, you know, we don't float on the surface, but when we disagree, we're able to do it in a way that we can like hear each other and grow from that experience rather than have it be like a conflict. It's almost like it's exciting. Like in those moments when I'm like, oh yeah, challenge me, like, come on, yes. give, yeah, give me more, <laughs> give me more, like yeah. help me learn this. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. And where does that, where do you think that comes from? I think that we're learners. I think innately Maybe. we are curious learner, mm -hmm. learners. I think respect. I have a deep respect for both of you. I feel like there's a chemistry, a chemical element or something that, yeah, because I don't ever have that feeling of jealousy or it, it's just not there. I don't know. Yeah, mm -hmm. number one fans right here. Yeah, like, I'm like, mm -hmm. bring me your victories. <laughs> bring, I will jump up Cheer and down. Me. And yes, yes, super happy for that. And I think each of you have brought forth words that are essential in that mix. Like I for sure acknowledge that there is a cauldron component here, but trust, um, courage, curiosity. Mm learning. And I go back to curiosity. This is becoming a theme sort of throughout my episodes in a lot of senses around how we are able as humans in a time that is so deeply divided. I feel like there are just rifts everywhere in all, in all different levels. But when we approach each other and ourselves from a position of curiosity, 
it takes away the element of judgment. It takes away the element of jealousy or whatever it is that we, that we might be feeling and just wondering coming from a place of like pure wonder and Mm -hmm. curiosity. I also, another thing that I always keep in my mind when things are difficult that I, I agree that curiosity and wonder and the assumption that everyone is doing the best that they can. Mm-hmm. And so when I combine those two things, that for me is magic. When Acceptance. I, I accept yes. the whole. Mm-hmm. Yes. I might not agree with what they're doing, but I need to assume they're doing the best that they can to be able to move forward in this, not, not necessarily just mm-hmm. with us, but in life in general. Yeah. And also knowing that your idea or experience doesn't cancel mine out, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of that in a lot of relationships, I think. And we see it on social media a lot where if someone is having a particular thought or idea that doesn't represent every lived reality on the planet, the response can be, well, that's that's not like you're wrong because that's not me. And when the reality is multiple truths exist at the same time, Mm -hmm. both can be true. Yes. All, all can be true. And I think there also is a platform for that level of conversation in the academic discourse Mm. that we started out with Mm. in the program and innovation team, because we did that a lot we there were really new and different ideas that we pushed each other on to go deeper to go further to yeah Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is you know if people are listening and wondering how well how do I start building that with people in my life that might be a good place to start is a place where there's not a lot of emotional intensity or or that you can at least have separation from Right. So it's something that's like outside of yourself. Like we were like, I think back to that. Oh, I can still see us like around that table, you (laughs) and me and like cave was over here and across from Amy and Chris and just going at it about assessment. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Going assessment. Maybe it's a shared passion. Yeah. Also we're Mm -hmm. talking about, all of us cared deeply about students. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were all coming at that care for students just from a different perspective and a different angle. Mm-hmm. But it was that like intensity because they were spicy conversations. Yeah. Right. Like there would be flames coming up, but afterwards it that none of that was there. That mutual respect, I think coming yeah. back to that. Yeah was still there was still intact it wasn't destroyed it wasn't if anything it was bolstered like oh we've all done some learning together and yeah and I think you make a really important point there in that when you allow allow space for each other's truths even though it might you they might be hard it builds trust because you then you know that you're not someone's not holding something back and running a script in their head that they're just not saying out loud and then you're trying to guess guess it When I think about that idea of shared passions, I think about when you shifted gears from education to Mm. your new role, how that was definitely an adjustment. And now I'm identifying that's part of the reason is that's a passion we shared and it's shifted for you, sort of. I mean, you're still still passionate and curious about learning. Mm -hmm. So we still share that. 
but now, you know, now I'm thinking about that, that adjustment, you probably felt that too with Mm -hmm. lots of relationships. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's been a huge, it's been a huge shift for me for lots of reasons. And I was worried, like there have been times where I'm like, Oh, are they still going to care? Does it like, is it, but that's my, that's my own stuff. And in reality I knew, and this morning we were having conversation and you, you asked me like, how's it going? And very few people do. So just that act of like reaching out and so much of what I talk about is still connected to what you were talking about. It's just in a different, it's in a different context now, but there definitely are struggles. And I think that can be part of the challenge in finding and sustaining relationships and finding new ones, because this phase of life for women is very destabilizing. Yeah. There are changes happening in all levels. It's just made me think of, um, I have recently had a, a female friendship that has kind of run its course and come to an end. And I remember thinking like, okay, if this was a romantic relationship, I would have to have that conversation. Like, okay, so we're just not that into each other. And you know, it's yeah. time for us to break up, but like, how do you do mm-hmm. that with a female friendship? That's a platonic relationship. Um, so I was like, okay, well, do I just let it fizzle out? Well, that like, that doesn't feel good either because so I put on my Lisa boat courageous pants and I had my courageous conversation and, and, and it was, it, it was good. Like we were able to say like, yeah, you know what? Our lives are going in different trajectories right now. We're not giving each other our best selves. And, and you know what? Like, I wish you the best. It, it was it's weird, but it, it worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Yeah. That's really important because there's also a lot of lore around Like Sometimes I feel like, well, how come, like, why don't I have relationships that I've maintained my whole life? I think that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, what are you, what are your thoughts no, around no, that? I'm just agreeing with you. Like I'll see people, oh, this has been my best friend. Mm-hmm. That whole concept of a best friend is kind of unique to me. Yeah. That's not something I've always had one best friend. There's seasons of mm-hmm. friendships. There's chapters of my life where yeah. people have been in and yeah. Mm-hmm. But having that conversation, so what I was thinking about while you were talking about that is that by having that conversation, you honor the value of the friendship that was. I didn't want it to just fizzle out because like we had spent years and years and years, like this was my childhood friend, but just, we no longer, we just, yeah, it didn't, we didn't connect in the same way. Um, And when I would get the call, I'd be like, oh, I don't really. And I, and I knew she was feeling the same way. So it was starting to feel icky. And again, when I made that connection to it being a romantic relationship, I'm like, well, you'd never let that fly. You'd be like, you'd break up. Yeah. 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 So yeah. But this goes, we had a conversation earlier today about boundaries. Mm. It's about, that's essentially setting a boundary and how we talk about sometimes that can be difficult. I think that's a good example of where you put a boundary and said, my time is valuable. I'm not going to use it for something that isn't serving me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good for you. And, and a lot of the time we also put value on length of time, like going back to that whole narrative around like, well, why, like, why don't I have a best friend from when I was three? Yes. Like, and, and there are people in my life who, who I've known from that time who I love and care about, but it's not the, like, you know, the Magnolias that show <laughs> sweet Magnolias. It's not that. And we put so much emphasis on time, like amount rather than quality. Mm. 
and you honored the quality of the relationship instead of clinging to time. And that what a gift that is. It was hard, but yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But to be able to free yourselves from something that is no longer working or or doesn't have, doesn't bring quality to your life to honor it and give it what it needed and then release it and let it go. And I think it also then leaves it that it can be opened again, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it was just a fizzle out and it just got awkward and uncomfortable, it probably never, whereas now, you know, I don't know what happens down the road or, you know, if I see something in the, I don't know what might spark that connection again, but I feel like now because, because we close the door together, we can open it or right. Like it's Mm -hmm. left on a good note. Yeah. And if some circles back to that, you won't feel as uncomfortable too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's a great story. It really is. And it's so important to think about what is the quality that this relationship is bringing to my life. And I think that that is an important question for, you know, people at any stage of life to ask. Uh, But particularly when you're going through a destabilizing time where there are shifts in, you and I both have kids who are flying the nest. Yeah which leads to tremendous shifts in your relationship, in your, in the role that you play in the world, in all kinds of things that the the word I'm using the most right now is with clients and in my world, it's, it's just destabilizing, but it is also an opportunity to really start thinking about quality and how we, what quality do you want for the next phase of your life? And I would say in my in my world, I've got a five-year-old at home. And so my life is very much consuming around him. And like, there's lots of responsibilities in that. So all of my extra, extra things, all of those, like if my friendship net was so wide and vast and I wouldn't have time for Mm. all of those. So um, that quality quantity sort of pieces. Mm -hmm. I feel like though, if I, you always think about it, if I knew then when I know now, mm-hmm. I'm considerably older than Louise. <laughs> and Hardly. So, Me too. Hardly. <laughs> so the things you're doing now to sustain those fierce friendships are going to serve you well when your wee one is in the stage that our boys are now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I didn't think about that then. I was too busy just surviving and soaking up all the goodness of that little person in my life by keeping those friendships that are meaningful and helpful like mm-hmm. when we're here now. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And I think you just hit on something. I mean, it's the theme of my life and the work that I do now, but it is deconstructing what it means to be a mother and the role that that plays in our hearts and our souls and our relationships with other people, because there's a lot of narrative around self-sacrifice to serve the humans in your life. And there are times where it's necessary, right? Like you've got a small human at home who is sick or whatever it is that their need is, they need you. That's a reality. But there also is a narrative around self-sacrifice that is artificial and does a really good job of keeping women isolated and in their, in their little roles and in their boxes. So, hmm. What I'm proposing is shifting the perspective on that, that what actually serves you is having good and healthy relationships outside of the family dynamic, because 
my midwife was the person who said this to me because I loved being pregnant. I loved it. And I know, (laughs) I know, I know it's not for, it's not for everyone, but she said, Lisa, you didn't get pregnant to be pregnant. You got pregnant to have a baby. And that advice has sort of evolved with me over time of like, I didn't have a human to have a three-year-old. I, we had children to bring forth beautiful humans for the world. We're independent and ready to do the things that are happening. Exactly. Mm. And that that five-year-old does not stay a five-year-old. And both, and it is healthier for both you and the small human to see you as an individual, to be as, as a person rather than just this monolithic idea of a mother. Mm. Yeah. I remember one of the first um, chats I had with Nick when he was away at school and he called me and was like, how are you mom? And I just, you know, I'm fine. He goes, no, like what, what are you doing there without me? You know, like understanding that the first time in his mind that, oh, she's got a life outside of mine. And he was genuinely curious about what it was that I was doing. And so having that frame that Lisa just set up there in that beautiful way is that when um, he started to become more independent, though I love being with him, I missed him intensely it was freeing in a way because there was this period of time for me to also like spread my wings and do those things that I wanted to do and engage in life in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will offer to you, he was able to ask you that question because you had when built that relationship with him, mm-hmm. but also he had seen you as yourself in in moments throughout so he he had that trust in being able to have a conversation like that with you that i'd have something to say yes i'll just find it for you because the in a lot of the work that i do with women part of their conversation the conversation we have is i don't know how to talk to my adult children because they don't see me as a person We've never had conversations, like we've never had conversations. I just, I gave everything to them as their mother and they never saw me as me. Lisa. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is another really important role for relationships like this, because when we are in and, and doing it in front of your children, like having friendships in front of your children. (laughs) I was like, that's strong. I mean, showing like in friendship in front of your kids, because, you know, I host stuff here all the time and the boys have always like observed. They don't stick around and listen for the Mm -hmm. whole thing, but they have observed us in relationship. And so they see me in different ways. Mm. You were going to say something. I will tweet something for me. So a friend of mine recently lost her mom. And there was a story at the service about, she was an amazing woman and she cultivated fierce friendships, like no other, like well before her time, she was thinking about being inclusive. So when she graduated from university, she wanted to keep that group of women. She's a teacher as well. She wanted to keep that group of women together. So every year she would hold a retreat and that entire class, mm. like for 65 years, Whoa. she did this. 
But here's the beautiful thing. She wanted it to feel, everyone to feel like they came and they had something to share and there wasn't an element of competition. So she made rules. And her rules were that you couldn't talk about certain things. You couldn't talk about your partner, uh, religion, politics, sex, your kids, your vacations. And so I'm sitting there thinking, what, what do you talk about? about? And she said, you can talk about books, movies, um, what you're making. Like they used to quilt and crochet and all those kinds of things. You could bring those, have a show and tell of all your, and teach each other how to do it. And so it was about building that identity outside of all those expected things, the mm -hmm. family and those things. And um, not having that sense of, you know, they're, bragging on about their child and I'm happy for them, but someone else sitting there and saying, you know, my, my family's really struggling. And so it could be a place they could go and know that they didn't have to have those conversations uh -huh. if they didn't want to. So, I mean, I, it just blew my mind and that, it, and they did it every single year. That's incredible. Yes. And it is so, oh, what a powerful experience in releasing the roles mm -hmm. so yes. that some of the work that I have done is separating out like the roles that I played versus who I actually am as a human and who I am like bleeds into the roles and the roles bleed, bleed into me. But being able to be in an environment like that, where you get to just release and shed all the roles and just be you show up as you I have to tell you one more funny part about it. Yeah. As they got older, she added an element called um, an organ recital, which so they gathered in a circle and everyone had five minutes to talk about their health concerns, <laughs> complain about their joints, whatever it was, five minutes to time with it. Then boom, your time was up. The rest of the time they were together, yeah. you weren't to complain about your physical ailments so that everyone could have a good time together. <laughs> like she's my hero. Yeah, that is beautiful. And what did we say? So we had we had brunch together before we recorded, <laughs> and we were on the way home. You, it was you. We hit the trifecta of menopause, menopause, stationary, and pots. My pants. <laughs> yeah, yeah, being excited about pots. Yeah. You know what? Thinking about that, about if I were invited, like if this was my friendship to that weekend. I feel like it's a tool that I'd want to be better. I'd want to read a book. Mm, it would motivate me to do something, to be interesting, to bring value, because that's what I feel like that cultivated. And I feel like that's the reason that resonated with me is I feel like that's with us, is that I'll listen to a podcast and be like, oh, I can bring that to my people. They're going to be mm -hmm. just too excited about that yeah. as I am. And I feel like that's sort of what was being grown there over like think about that of 65 years of going and talking about your books or your mm -hmm. unreal yeah and I think I mean we could talk all day as we often do but I want to honor our time and put on our friendship bracelets and wrap it up and I think that it's what you ended with there is so beautiful in that when you are cultivating or trying to find relationships show up as yourself mm -hmm. yeah. as your, as your whole self. And it will also help you get to know who you are, right? That's what finding a book or a podcast or a movie or a Sharing show or, or a meme, whatever, or friendship bracelets. It's not only about the relationship. It is also about the quality of your relationship with yourself. 
beautiful, Lisa. Can we drop the mic? <laughs> Listen, Thank you. Tell me why you don't have coasters because I'm so <laughs> about this. <laughs> Thank you. And there it is. There it is. The truth. Yes. Friendship. Okay. Thank you so much both for being Thank here today. You. This is love you the best. Love you. Thank you for joining us on this transformative journey today. Your support means the world to me. If you resonated with our conversations and want to uplift the Transforming 45 community, here's what you can do. One, subscribe and share. Hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And if you found value here, share it with your friends, family, and anyone seeking inspiration. Two, leave a review. On whatever platform you are listening on, your words can make a significant impact and help others find their way to these transformative stories. Three, connect. Join the conversation on my social media platforms. Follow me at Lboat for updates, behind the scenes, and more heart-centered content. And four, guest recommendations. If you know someone whose story could inspire someone else, reach out and let me know. I love connecting with diverse voices that carry the power to transform lives. Remember, it is your support that is the magic in my mission. Together, we can create a community of empowerment, growth, and healing. Thank you for being part of the Transforming 45 family. Until next time, keep shining your light and embracing your journey. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric acid.